Welcome back to Minding Our Businesses, where CEO and COO sisters share unfiltered conversation about running three companies together and and the the real real life between it all. So today we're talking about the art of scalability, making a business go to the next level, um, automation, when to hire, when to, when to take those big next steps, when it, when you're breaking through a ceiling with your business, even your career, I think this is kind of apply all. Um, and I think there's a lot to talk about on this topic. I know it's crazy. I think about my career in the past, what is it like seven years that we've been doing the same thing. I'm like every year I learned such big, different like mentalities and like on this topic, you're saying yeah, on scalability the, on this topic, because I think it's like an ever evolving topic. Yeah. It, it, it's, well, it's just people literally get their master's degree in scaling a business. Like the, this is an art form. I think there are so many different types of businesses. So I think this can be a challenging topic too, because I think that there's like the small business where like you're basically you could be like a one man army and like you, you kind of have like a career where you work for yourself. And mm-hmm. like, if somebody says, what do you do? You're like, Oh, I have a small business. Like that's super valid. It's with a brick and mortar without a brick and mortar, totally. only selling online. Right. Like you could just have a small e-com and I think personal brand, it could be a million different types of businesses. So I think like for me, the, when any, when I'm ever asked this question, which I'm asked this question a lot about like, how do you take the next step or how do you grow a brand or how do you grow a business or how do you scale? My first question, and I know you know this, is always, what's your end goal? A hundred percent. I agree. Where do you want to go with the business and why? I think too, and we've learned in all three of the different businesses, like there's so many different end goals that you can have too. Right. You could want to exit. You could want to exit and sell. Sell. Yep. You could want to exit and sell in five years. You could want to exit and sell in a hundred years. You could want to pass down a business to your children. You could want to... Um, franchise, franchise, get, you know, continue gaining profit. And there's also so many different structures in the back end of how a business owner can be paid. You know, like you could get a salary from your company, you could, um, you know, be a different structure. So it's like, there's just so many types of entities and so many different types of businesses. I think that's what makes this, makes this topic just a bit challenging, challenging, but also I think we have a lot of experience of talking to different business owners, well, from the agency, it's just nonstop. That gives a lot of insight of like what to do and what not to do, depending on what type of business they're in. Oh my God. Yeah. So like we just left our client strategy meeting for the agency. And basically like once a month we sit in a room and we talk about all of the different brands that are, are a part of our agency. And we go step-by-step step for each brand and say, and break down their business. And we're like, oh, well, why do they need this type of advertising? Who's their target market? Like wh- what is their exit strategy? If there is one, what's their end goal? Because all of the branding and marketing and every move they make contributes towards that end goal. Right. So you can't just be aimless. You can't just be starting a business. And I had a, put up a poll the other day and I, because I, I knew we were talking about this and I said like, what questions do you have about owning a business, scaling a business? And one of the biggest red flags I saw was somebody responded and said, and I mean, no harm in kind of calling this out, but they said, I really want to start a business. How do you get an idea? Yeah. I think that's a bit ass backwards. No, I agree. I, I think people, it's funny, like, I don't know if you had a lot of friends, but people would be like, I'm a business major. I have a lot of friends. I don't know if you had a lot of friends that were in this, but (laughs) 
Do you? Well, apparently I, my friends are all old, as you said yesterday. So I'm going to make sure I report that back to them. Uh, yeah, I mean. No, I, yeah, you said all my friends are old. I don't think your old. friends know. I mean, my friends nine, are openly like the trendiest, most adorable people ever. So They're like, not as cool as you say. It's just like a. I'll let them know that. Yeah, no, they can hear me. Yeah, totally. Not scared. Um, I was saying, you know, when like you would meet people in college when they're like, I'm a business major or like I'm a marketing major. Yep. That is like a never ending cycle. Like, it's like, what do you want to do with that? I went to school for business management. I mean, granted, I was a dropout, but I can openly say- school dropout. Definitely. The things that they taught me, sure, I took an accounting class. Sure, I took all these classes. And sure, I remember some of the terms, but you definitely don't learn the applicable things. I don't think, I, I don't- I don't, it's not like I believe in this or I don't believe in this, but I don't think like you should start a business just because you want to start a business. Well, I think that brings us to our first point where owning a business or running a business is a skill set, not a subset. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just laughing because I heard you. I knew you were going to say that. I should have said it with you. Yeah. A skill set, not a subset. It's something you need to actually actively understand that you want to do. Like in the course and the history of my career, it's a love story, story, but also kind of like a sad story because I've had a lot of skills, right? Like I've been a makeup artist. I've done hair. Right. You I, don't let those go. I've been, I am a photographer, but like over the course of time, in order to run the company effectively, I've had to let go of some of those skills because I need to focus on running the administrative portion of the company. It's also hard. Like I think people look at us and they're like, you're a superwoman. Like, like it's hard. Like it's hard to have, I, I have a personal life, but sometimes like I can't focus on anything else, but something I need to do for business. So it, it, it's, it's a hundred percent commitment and you have to commit. Someone once said to me that if you can't, and this is a very harsh way of putting it, but if you can't walk away from your business for like a year or even like a week and the business still runs effectively without you, and like the business does not feel your absence, then you do not have a business. You have a a career where you work for yourself. Yeah. That phrase slapped me pretty damn hard when I first heard it because I was like, shit, like maybe I don't have the business that I thought I I believe that, but I also don't. I agree. No, I totally agree because I do think that you can have a really effective small business that it has scalability and you just work for yourself, and I think that's totally fine. Coming back to full circle, that depends on your end goal. If your end goal is to franchise and sell in three to five years, don't really care what happens with the business. It's just money hungry, then understood. Well, if you're, let's say you're an acupuncturist, you're a one man army, you have a few rooms and your goal is to be fully booked, then every act you do would be towards becoming fully booked. But maybe, you know, you don't want to go to that next step of hiring someone to work for you. Well, you are the business, right? You are the business. And something I will talk about this, but one of the books that you've given to me, Emith, that was mm-hmm. something I learned too, is like with Sarah making the pies is she was the business. Yes. She was making the pies. Mm-hmm. She couldn't get away from that. So well, some- I think the big question on this podcast episode is how do you go from being Sarah who makes the pies right. to Sarah who doesn't make the pies? And Sarah, we really want you to continue making the pies. I like pie. <laughs> um, I would like to begin this conversation with, I think, the most fundamental and important part of being a business owner, which is our relationship. Yeah. Um, my title at the company is CEO. It's visionary. Um, your title at the company is COO integrator. Um, that the relationship I speak of now is the visionary and integrator relationship, the yin and yang emotion meeting logic. That is, I think one of the most important things because what you'll find 
behind most businesses is usually, again, I mean, no harm, a flighty visionary. Well, what do they say? Vision without traction is uh, delusion? Is fantasy. Fantasy or something? Yeah. Having a vision but not knowing how to implement it is just fantasy. Um, So, you know... I, you know, I like to give myself a little bit more credit than just I'll saying I'm you, a flighty. I'll I don't think you. A, a flighty visionary is someone who's defined as they get excited by shiny objects, shiny things. Oh, like you have the opportunity. Like I had some one thrown in my face yesterday. Someone mm-hmm. was like, I'll give you X amount of money per month. If you let me rent a small part of parlor to put my business in there and have like, you know, sell whatever. And I was like, no, immediately no low, low hanging fruit, but a flighty visionary might be like, Oh, cha-ching, cha-ching extra dollars. Let's do it. But I know that that would veer my focus off of my end goal. Mm -hmm. So because I'm operating in that sense, I know that that would not be smart, but I do see a lot of visionaries in my career who are like, yes, yes, yes. And that's where you come in. Well, the problem is, is that that stops you from scaling because to do, to me, scaling is like, like, how would you define it? I, I, I think scaling equals automation in my head. I think scaling a business, I would actually like to know the actual definition because I've ever, I've never actually looked it up. I've only ever felt the concept of scaling definition of scaling a business. Let's see what the actual dictionary says. Google. Scaling is when revenue increases with Without a substantial increase Change. in costs, yeah. meaning you can support further growth, you could look at it as more of a sustainable way of growing. And and to me, I think that's like, what do you stay the same, but your your revenue goes up? It's basically, yeah, scaling is the art of not consistently, I guess, maybe changing, expanding, yeah. but always having growth. Yeah. I think that one thing for me is like having the right people in the right seats. Oh and yeah. So going back to the conversation of visionary and integrator, your job is to be more logical. My job is to be more emotional. And then our jobs together is to weigh each other out. And I think that is the balance of this relationship. I find that most um, businesses or companies don't have that fault. They either the, you would be both. Yeah. Or that's really it. A visionary that is not on a leash can be extremely dangerous. And I would say also an, an integrator who is not, is lacking emotion. Is dangerous. Is extremely dangerous as well. So it, you, I think you could be a, biz, a business owner also that's like just an integrator. But if you lack vision, if you lack the ability to think into the future and fly the plane, that's yeah. also an issue. Well, I was going to say too, was with scaling or automation or growing your business, like there are changes. Something that you made or invented 10 years ago, and now it's 2023, say you invented something in, in 2013, has to evolve and change. And with someone like an integrator brain, like I do have vision, like I do want to do something different or change or mix it up, but I would be like, okay, it's working. We're going to stay like this until we can't. Yeah. Your logical brain yeah. may never see, like my brain lives in what's happening three years from yeah. now. And I think someone well, once they call said it to you, working, you're working on the business. I'm working instead of in the business. I'm working. Yes. I'm working from, they say the, that a visionary works from the plane yeah. and that an integrator works with their boots being on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I think somebody once said to you that if you ever let my mind become too clouded 
with too many integration aspects that that is also how a business can die. Mm-hmm. Like if you make, if you take away my creative ability, if you take it, so your part of your job is almost freeing me a little bit so that I can have those ideas. So I can feel the emotion of the brand and like, kind of like let it run through mm-hmm. my soul. And then part of my job is listening to you. Yeah. And part of my job is like, I run everything by you. I, there is no, you in a lot of ways have more power than me. And you know that like, and, and you have to kind of have respect for the integrator and respect for the visionary. It has to be a mutual relationship where if you look at me and you say, I really don't think that's a good idea, but I severely disagree with you. That's where I have to take a step back, have no ego and say, is this the smartest choice for the future? And I have to trust you. Yeah. And it's hard to make those decisions. Like they come innately, like where I'm like, I get like a yes or a feeling in my chest. Like I've had that my whole life where it's like gut reactions and sometimes I'm wrong and sometimes I'm right and back and forth for both of us. But like, sometimes I think you, something I think like, and I've seen other people like who work for business owners who like don't agree with the vision or oh, if you don't agree with the vision, it's never or aren't work. passionate about the business or, or, or maybe aren't a culture fit or like, I wouldn't want them on my team. Like I agree with the business model. I am passionate. Well, I would say not only do you agree, you believe it and you live it. Yeah, I believe it. it. I live it. But also Carly, you were a part of making those visions. A hundred percent. But like if I didn't, since I'm so opinionated and so communicative and so honest, it would be really hard for me to do this job. So a bitch. So I'm a big bitch. <laughs> and, um, and that's all. Well, yeah, that's another no, way of putting it. Well, but it's that's, true. I think for me to bottle up this word, it's kind of like understanding your unique ability. Yeah. Like I truly think that my biggest strength is understanding my biggest weakness and my unique abilities at this company. Like I oftentimes have trouble when somebody sends me too long of a text message or too long that of, is a, the worst. of a question. I am so busy emotionally being present that if you do that to me, I am, you're bogging my mind down and I'm just kind of like, I want to flick you. Yeah. I want to, I want to flick you far away from me. But when you read it, you interpret it in a certain way and you spit it to me in a certain way that I am emotionally connected to it. So well, it's you like, do that back though. What do you mean? Like, I think the way we interpret things are different. Like I could look at a text message and it could be like, this is what, this is it. This is, this is what she's saying or he's saying. And you're like, well, wait, look at it from this perspective. Well, it's the ping pong of, of the conversation. Which I think the biggest point about being a leader when you're growing a, a business is having that ability to put yourself in other people's shoes. Well, that was going to bring me also to the, the first point, like to have the first moment of advice to walk away with is if you are identifying with either one, you're more emotional or two, you're more logical and you are a business owner or you do have a career and you do know your end goal and you are looking to maybe scale or break through that next ceiling. Then I think to me, my first response to you, if we were having coffee, which we wouldn't be because I'm entirely antisocial, it would be (laughs) that you need to either, you need to find your counterpart in the emotion versus logic. So that would be step one to me in finding your scalabilities. Who is that person? for you. Um, and are you identifying enough? Are, do you have the ability enough to drop your ego to understand which you are or which you aren't? Or do you think you're both and then you're blocking yourself from growth? And if you are both and like you aren't at the place where you can have both, where you can't pay somebody else to be Mm -hmm. one, then you need to be like, you need to massage the other side aware or read books or open your eyes or listen to podcasts that open your eyes to the other platform or the other wavelength, because I would have never have known some of the things that you, that's probably why we didn't get along as much when we were younger is because I could never see anything from your perspective. I didn't care. Truly. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it would have been hard for you to see from my perspective why I was frustrated. You were putting my clothes in the dumpster at your middle school 
trash can. By the way, mom's such a little bitch because because she said she used to do that too. Mm-hmm. So so totally. Um, so anyways, visionary integrator, one of the most important things. Now, so you brought up the book, The E-Myth. That was one of the first yep. books I ever made you read. The E-Myth is like, I would say the number one book I would recommend in terms of understanding scalability or the growth of a business, or if you just want to identify more with what, where your business is at. Yeah. Um, it, basically the book, I've, I've pulled a bunch of quotes. The book breaks down the stages of a business by three. Mm-hmm. One is infancy. Two is adoles- adolescence. And three is maturity. Um, the question at hand is which stage do you want to stop at? Which stage do you want to get to and why? I would say each of the three businesses that we run are openly different stages and that's intentional. Mm -hmm. Um, So why don't we start by talking about the first stage, which is infancy. Um, I will read a description about each stage and then we can prompt conversation from there. In the infancy stage, you are the business. You do not have a business. If you are a baker, you are making some pies that you sell at a local store. If you are a roofer, you are buying materials and placing the roof yourself. When you begin your business with good technical skills, you can then get off the ground. So basically step one. Um, I think that that is, if you were to kind of like go back in my timeline, that would be when I was in my 2010 to 2000, like 14, I would say 2000, almost 16 error. I was in that stage. I would say for maybe like six years to give you like an understanding of, of my journey. Um, and then I was able to kind of like step out of that phase a little bit. And the only way you were able to step out is to start hiring people, hiring, learning to delegate. Um, I, I mean, it, it pretty much put a dagger in my heart when I was the only photographer at the company. And I then needed to start to say, we need to hire a photographer because I need to free up some of my time for vision. I was not, I was sad when I, and giving up makeup, I gave up a whole career. And think about this when we were, when you were, I didn't even work at your, at the company, but when you were in the business and you were such in that infancy, infancy stage, you probably weren't thinking about what you were doing within the next five to 10 years because you were probably thinking about how I was so in it. You were probably thinking about how you were going to, pay rent the next. No, no. I was just trying to get through the day. Right. So like we can speak to that and then we can also speak to getting into the maturity stage as well. Totally. Which that doesn't, I I would assume that could come naturally to some people where they go like money wise, where their growth is so exponential, where it comes so fast, where you either grow so fast and you have to come back and scale a little bit. Yeah. Or we kind of like grow every year a little bit, which I think we kind of took that path. We bootstrapped. Yeah. Well, I actually think it's a super relevant topic for right now because like we started this conversation, there's so many different types of businesses. There's also so many different types of ways to enter a business. Like you could take out a massive loan. Um, You could have private equity. You could have um, angel investors. There could be just like so many different ways that you start a company. I actually think that's a bit dangerous. I tend to be more of a conservative Conservative, businesswoman in terms of I don't take the next step until I've uh, gotten to the step. Like I don't, I'm never ahead of my step. That's something I pride myself in. But Well, you have to have a solid idea. You do have to have a solid idea, but also let's say you do have the solid idea and you do get investment and you are almost able to skip the infancy phase with the financial gain that you have and the investment you have, then you could actually, in a way, skip to maturity faster, Faster. but be open to way more risk. Because if you see that money in your account, right? And you're making decisions like, I can pay this person that because because I can, 
And because I have that there, because I have that investment, you might have a false sense of, is your business actually growing at the right pace? I think pacing is very important in in brand building. And yeah. I think a lot of people look at me and I think they think, because if, if, if you saw that I opened Parlor in 2018 and you didn't know my story, you would have thought I was an overnight success. Oh yeah, I would have, people, that's why people think, Daddy gave you money and you opened that up. Everybody yourself. thought yeah. Daddy gave me money. And I'm like, <laughs> like, fuck you, first of all. <laughs> and second of all, I bootstrapped every second of I, from college. Every dollar I made, I put back to the company. I struggled for years. I lived at home for years. Yeah. And no, like, I'm not shitting on anyone who had the money to be able to make a business, have a great idea, and spin it really well. Oh my like, God. Good for you. I if think that's the case. Making money and watching people make money and, and have good marketing techniques and ideas and a really great product is exhilarating. Like, yes. Turns me on. That makes me, me the most excited person ever. And I think it's not better or worse to put so much hard work in it to start it from the bottom or start it from the top or whatever it is. It's just my personal experience Absolutely. is bootstrapping. Yeah. And, and my personal experience of bootstrapping helped me learn a lot because it made me scrappy. Well, it's funny. I, I just prefer the route you actually sent me this on Instagram maybe yesterday, like always take the hard way because the easy way might not always give you what you need. Yeah. And I feel like in the story of our lifetime, we always kind of took the hard way first. That was like maybe, maybe the momentum. It was, I will say that like what kind of unlocking these memories is kind of like deep for me yeah. because like there was so much struggle attached to the infancy phase. Right. Um, that like I had worked seven days a week in the infancy stage. I was, there was no days off. I sacrificed everything I had and was and left college to focus on all of these things, as you guys know from episode one in that story. But like, it's this stage for me was blood, sweat, and a lot of tears. Yeah. But your stamp on life is cool. Like, and I mean that in the way where it's like, if you look back on your life, when you're in that, would you, you always said, cause you worked at the, um, Thank you. What's it called? The nursing home? The nursing home. And you're like looking at the people with the hunchbacks and you're like, I never want to have a hunchback. Yes. But you also learned that like when you're kind of in the, why are you laughing? I'm just laughing at that, that reference. Well, when you're la when you're looking back at your life and you are like, okay, what are all of these things that I did? Like the way that you got to the root of success or the root of your business being where they are is cool. It's definitely, no, it's, I think it gives me some street cred yeah. because I fucked up a lot along the way. So I was able to learn. But now when my point was, is that if you go on TikTok or if you're on Instagram, like some of these people are making businesses out of like just going viral on TikTok. Well, the problem with that is when you have an overnight, let's say you are overnight, an overnight success, success, yeah, then you have to figure out what to do next. The reason I liked my path is because it gave me breathing room to learn as I went along. And, and perspective. You could have put me in any class and with any teacher, and I would not have had the same education I right. had the honor of having because I was able to learn as I went along. Now, going back to like this comment of infancy stage, you can stay in infancy forever and have a business. That's totally Absolutely. fine. Like, and that's, that is a valid, legitimate company. If that is your five to 10 year goal yeah, and you're happy going to work and, and doing that, then good job. A hundred percent check done. Love it for you. But if you're saying like, Oh, I want to own a business where like I can go on vacation. Like, I mean, I still can't do this and not get a call even, mm -hmm. even no matter what phase I'm in, but you know, or, or have a, I guess that quote unquote freedom. I think you and I see this a lot in our industry, like 
hairstylists like like to go to like kind of Sola studios now or like those studio places where they're like, I have my own business, I work for myself. But like, I think for me, the things you have to weigh out is, you know, I, my constant goal is to create a culture for our team and to make the best possible workplace they could ever work so they don't want to leave. Absolutely. But also if you are going to go do something like that, you have to then pay for expenses, liabilities, product, cost of goods, well, also don't legal fees. A little nine to five is nice or like a, oh my God. Like I, I think people don't, I fantasize about the nine to five life sometimes. Oh, sometimes my friends are like, oh, I'm leaving work. And like, then we'll go out and like, all I can think about is work. And all they're thinking about is like what they're going to do tomorrow. And I'm like, that is, I'm so happy for you. Like sometimes I wonder if I applied my skill set and drive to a corporate company and worked inside that corporate company, what would my life look like? Because yeah. I chose a very difficult path and the path I chose is all consuming. And people have no idea. Like every day I look at my phone and I'm like, this person texted me, I'm like, something's wrong. And like, even when I'm on vacation trying to enjoy myself and like, I don't care. I, I know what I signed up for. Yeah, you enjoy it. And I love it. It, it. it doesn't make me mad, but I think people don't realize that feeling. I had envy recently yeah. with Nina, one of our hairstylists who went on maternity leave. We had a baby at the same time and- she got longer of a maternity leave than me with more peaceful time without being, you know, bothered by work. And I'm super happy for her. I mean, yeah. There's no envy at all in terms of like, you know, bad or malice or jealousy. I, I said this to her, but like my maternity leave ended before hers and required me to not work the whole time, but have, I, I guess, have some stress. It, it, I don't it, have choi a yeah, choice. Yeah. And like, I learned from that. And I know when I have, go to have kids, like, I'm doing payroll. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you're, you're like, you're doing payroll. And I'm, I'm and I'm okay with it. <laughs> I, I can't do payroll. Ever but I again. think my biggest thing for people is like, I feel like sometimes people are passive and they like make these choices and then they're like not okay with it. Well, I think the danger is yeah. making a choice from the inflated things you see on social media. Right. Like you might look at my life and if I wasn't super authentic or honest, like with my content, you might not totally know that it's all not, it's not all roses. That I might've like woken you up at 4am to tell you the fucking pipe broke. No, uh -huh. no, shield no one, up. Yeah. Shoot, shield up. Shield up, 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 up. Shield up. Yeah. That's not happening. But so I think no matter which phase you're in, whether it's infancy, adolescence or maturity, if you own a business, it's always all consuming. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you've scaled the business appropriately. I can walk away from the company and it can still run beautifully. But that doesn't mean when I go on vacation that I'm still not getting calls and such. That doesn't mean that I'm not running an effective business. So I think that there's these like, you know, kind of misconceptions you need to understand. And also one thing I've always said is people, I, I do have freedom as a business owner. Like I obviously, I answer to myself. There's definitely perks to both. There's perks. But I think um, for me, like one of the biggest tips is if you are going to start a business, like you need to understand that your accountability and your, what the standards you hold yourself to actually need to be higher than what you'd think. Like the amount you have to invest, like I, you know, those TikToks where it's like, I decided I didn't want to work a nine to five. So I started a business and now I work a uh, 24 hours a day uh, yeah. or something. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's like, it's, they're like, it never stops, but I love it. Yeah. That's sort of how I feel about it. So like infancy stage is yeah, important. But, yeah, it's important. But I also would like to state too, like out of all of the things that happen, like every year it gets better. Yeah. I, I don't think that this needs to come at it either from like, a there's no negative connotation right. at all with any of the phases. Um, I think it's just more about like, if you are looking to take that next step or then you have to recognize the phase you're in right now. Yep. Um, also like 
to give you an example of a company that's, I would say teeters between infancy and adolescence is our agency. That agency requires my whole soul Mm -hmm. in order for it to operate. It requires my thinking, my, my energy, and it, I don't know if it will ever get to a a stage of automation. It's a service based business, which is very different than an e-commerce product or like a restaurant. Yeah. I shoot for the brands. Yeah. I pick up my camera. I'm physically on set. I'm physically exerting myself. I am actually physically a service provider. One thing I love about that though, and I'll always love it, is that I'm a CEO who knows what it feels like to be a service provider. I know what it feels like to let my ego down and to provide something for a a client. And when they don't like it, I know how to pivot and provide customer service. So Mm -hmm. I do think that there is something to be said for always feeling that. Right. Because I do think you could get affected and like get too far away from the customer that you don't know what they feel. And you take it personally. Um, All right. So let's talk about the next phase, which is adolescence. The, The statement that I pulled is there's a critical moment in every growing business when the owner gets too busy and hires the first person to do the work he or she does not know how to do themselves or does not want to do themselves or can no longer do themselves. This may be a bookkeeper, a business improvement consultant, or a general manager. The new person adds a different strength and helps manage the growth so the owner can relax and enjoy the business again and not be stressed by it. Um, Going back to the start of this conversation, to me, that's probably where the integrator visionary kind of moment comes into play. Yeah. I think that goes deeper though. Okay. Like I think it goes deeper into hiring other people. And I think we were on a call the other day and the person we were speaking to is like, she's just kind of picking her, t- her team together now, Yeah, but doing it in this like slow way, mm-hmm. which I think is really smart yeah. because I think the, the quality and the people that you hire are the most important part mm-hmm. of making your business grow. Hiring is, you know, we've had a a conversation about hiring and firing. It was one of our most popular episodes. I actually think we could do a whole nother episode about like how to hire well. Um, and we will, but I think at this stage in the conversation, we should talk about that a little bit because I get a lot of questions where people are like, how do you know when it's time to hire? How do you hire? How do you know what to pay that person? Like, how do you look at the accounts and say, this is what I can afford to pay someone is something people ask me a lot. I think that also comes from like like you want to make set these goals that aren't like these astronomical goals that like feel unreachable. Yeah. You want to like hit small goals throughout your year so you can see the consistency. Totally. Because if you're not seeing that line of consistency in your bank account and you're not like, okay, this is where we are. Because like yeah. I'm, I'm so in touch with what we're making, what we're doing when I add someone, what changes or what commission or whatever it is or a salary that we pick. Like I already, I already know how it's going to affect payroll. Yeah. So if, if we don't know that from a base level and you're just hiring like out of your ass and then you go to do payroll and don't then hire you, out of your ass, don't hire out of your ass. And then it's you, got a visual of that. That's disgusting. And then, <laughs> and then you do payroll and you can't make it. Like I blame you because you're making stupid decisions. I guess I could bring myself back to that moment in time where, so, so to sum up what you're saying, you're saying you need data in order to know when you can make the next move. So like if you aren't getting a a lump sum investment, so I remember my first hires, you know, like I started at minimum wage. Leland was my first hire. I paid her the lowest amount I could to get her to join the team, but she believed in the vision and she believed in all of it. So she, she joined me. 
at every corner, at every moment I could, I gave her more because she always gave the most to me. But you first have to, there, the word investment should be lingering in your mind, but the when you, it's time to make that investment is really the question at hand. For me, it was about looking at the overall revenue. Revenue is the, in, in case you don't know or you need a reminder, it's which I constantly did at the beginning of my career. Revenue is all of the money that's coming into the business without any expenses taken out. And then after you remove the expenses and cost of goods, what you're left with is the profit. Which is a dangerous number to some. Because revenue is a very dangerous number to look at. Yeah, because if you look at that number, it means nothing. If your cost of goods and your expenses exceed your revenue. Or equal. You are... Uh, not profiting. Yeah. So the basically, when you talk about like what business is, business is about the bottom line. Yes, it's about culture. Yes, it's about team. Yes, it's about all these things. But can your business even stay afloat at the end of the day? At the end of the day, can it even afford itself? Um, so if you're looking to hire someone or you're looking to take that next step, for me, my first piece of advice to you would be look at the revenue, all the money coming in, and then subtract what you pay yourself. And then look at what you made at at the end of the day as your profit. If your profit has room for a salary and you are looking at it yearly or you want to break it down quarterly, however you'd like to look at it, that's how you can determine when the first hire can happen and what you can pay them. And you want to be a decent person when you're adding people to your team, because if you're just hiring to like get something out of it for yourself, then that's just not the way to go. Well, also, I think that if you're a visionary and you, let's say, like I've heard this a lot too, where people will reach out to me and be like, I want to hire, this person is going to leave this job. They're being paid X amount to leave that job to come to me and I'm going to match that pay or I'm going to get them there one day. That's an immediate red, red flag. Yeah. To me, the best hires are the people that are a part of your genetic makeup as a person, right. who they become your family, they become your friend, they they understand you, and they want to work towards the common goal together. Right. Um, no, I didn't always pay everybody the most I could off the bat because we're a small business and we're still very much so growing. But the and sometimes pe- we're wrong. Yeah, I mean, wrong about what? The hire. Yeah, sometimes they they we have they have to prove themselves. Are you even a good hire? Is is a question that we We don't know these people. One hundred percent. But also, I think there is something to be said with growing with the company. Yeah, and also investing in the right people, learning what their jobs should be. Mm -hmm. But I find it very rewarding when someone earns it, deserves it, when they act inside of our culture, when they give their all, when they want, they get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it with you. I, there's nothing I love more than giving those raises and and growing with the team. But if you're if you're gonna sacrifice the health of the business to pay someone more, you have the wrong person. I agree. And then that's where you get yourself in a bad position because you're getting visionary. We're the wrong business. Yeah. Well, then you're getting you're getting shiny object eyes where you're like, if I hire this person, they'll change the brand. And I've been there where I'm like, I need to invest in this person, but. The thing that matters more before investing in person in the person is investing in the foundation of the business. Yeah, correct. Like having a five to 10 year plan and yeah. knowing what your mission is, knowing the purpose. Yeah. A person will never be a are. magical thing that yeah. changes the company. And when we made all of those, like when we sat down and we were like, okay, it's time to like make real goals and like have a real leadership team and do all these things. It took a long time to do that, but it also took a long time to understand it and live by it and well, go by it. It's stages. Like this is saying that we, when we learned we needed to hire, which we did, you know, we took that big step. Then you have to learn the mistakes of hiring. Gabby. You know, like not no, not the mistake, but like she was me, you and her. Oh yeah, it was me, you and Gabby and Leland. 
No. It was just us three. Leland was on maternity leave. Oh, 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 well, whatever. We had so many different stages of hiring at so many different angles, and the, there were so many mistakes made, and it's it's really a very challenging aspect as well. Yeah. So you could then be ready to hire, and then you realize you didn't hire well. And then you could find that you maybe didn't hire to culture, that you didn't hire people that shared the same and they goals ruined your as progress. you. And well, not ruined your progress. I wouldn't say that every issue is an opportunity, but I would say that they there is a chance that that person caused you to drift away from what you should but be focusing on. Depending on if you're in an infancy stage, yeah, it is. Because it, it, whoever you're hiring is so important. If it's just you and that person on that team... And like you're, you're having them delegate on tasks. And I, I know people who've done this before and they're not even doing the tasks. It's, it's a big waste of time and it's a big waste of money. Yeah, no, I remember we used to hire a receptionist and I remember they would fake type. Rachel, please, And I used to on. watch people fake type Stop and it. I used to be like, oh my God, I'm watching my money go out the window. I was so tied to the genetic makeup of the business yeah. that it like hurt me. It like hurt my soul to yeah. watch that. And so like, that's where you, you can get... Um, I think you can get a bad name too, because like, if you're just like, um, you're firing someone, but they, they think they're doing what you need, but you don't think they are. And there's that kind of like misperception there, but you have to do what you have to do because you have to keep the company afloat. Right. That's where you can be labeled like a bitch or I've been labeled someone who like, I know there was a series of people who left this company who said that I was money hungry. And, and, and it's like, you can say that about me. But you really don't know what's happening in the back end for me to keep the company afloat financially. You can call me money hungry, but I, I, for 10 years, I, I didn't have a dollar. Which is also really stupid because at the end of the day, there are so many things you're adding to a business, but you need to make money. Yeah, that is the it point is the of the thing. So when people come to you and they want to make more money, what do you think we're doing? Right. Well, that's, well, that's, that's, we us. have to find the money making opportunity. We have to add things. Right. We have to scale. We have to do all of these things. It doesn't just, money just doesn't come appear on a tree that well, you pick off. But then, then there's marketing. Right. <laughs> marketing is a whole other beast. Which now in this day and age is all that matters. I don't think it's all that matters. I think marketing is one of the biggest pieces of moving a company forward. But I think you feel that way because we've done such a good job laying the foundation of the company and building such a great team. Well, I would say first it's people, second it's marketing. Well, Carly, you're forgetting one important fact. Yeah, you can get your marketing correct, but you need to have something to market that's actually- A real thing. High quality, withstands, has a good name, has been tried and true, has good culture. True. All of those things. So yeah, it's important to market a company, but that's a privilege- to get to a point where you can market and a company. And spend marketing dollars, I agree. It, so that's that's like a whole other stage. So I think I do say the things I'm saying with a little bit of a warning and a little bit of a like, don't fantasize something if you don't fully understand it kind of energy. If you don't really know what you're signing up for or if you do like that nine to five life where you do get to kind of like turn off or not be the company, or if you don't want to invest this time, or you do want to grow inside of a role, you can have equal amounts of success by not owning a business, by applying your skill set to your unique ability flawlessly. Definitely. You can do that really well. Like I always thought if I worked for a corporation and I was in charge of like, I don't know, everything inside of another company, I could have also done really big things. Like I could have applied my skill set in a million different ways. Right. I agree. And I think, I think what you and I are really good at in this adolescence phase now is getting good people, really good people that fit our culture, 
having a family, like joining that family of like, of that culture and putting them in good positions to thrive yeah, and like, to grow. Our culture is so good too. Like they, we, they are like, no. Yeah. When somebody joins <laughs> the team and they're not right, they weed themselves out. It's, it's, it's actually amazing to watch because now I really know we've made it to the maturity stage. Cause like from where we started to where we are is astronomically different. There has just been endless mistakes. And again, like I, I would say too, like we talked a lot about like knowing your end goal. If I wanted to relate this back to parlor, we talked a lot about the parlor journey. Yeah. We have been asked many, many times to franchise parlor. Mm. I made the decision at the beginning that I would never franchise parlor, that we would be a destination that people would travel to. I knew that if I was a shiny object visionary and someone said, open a parlor in LA or open a parlor in New York city or open a parlor in Boston, which I, I was offered numerous times. And it seemed like a really cool opportunity and I went for it and veered off the vision, then I would have drowned us. Just kills your quality. It, yeah. Well, I always said I'd rather be the pizza shop with the line around the corner rather than the pizza shop with multiple locations. It just drowns the quality. It kills your quality. And I think I like knowing what's happening or what issues that we can solve or making things, issues, opportunities, and like talking about them. But to That's talk because, Carly, you're well-placed in the company. You're well-placed in your job. Mm. That that's really what it is. You yeah. enjoy your job. So it's like those, but that's the warning I'm saying is at first you will have to hit infancy. You will have to hit the stage. So if you think that it might stress you out to deal with the financials or to learn about revenue or to learn about marketing or to keep up in a saturated market or to hire, or if you think it could cause you anxiety or angst to fire somebody, or if you feel like you couldn't make big decisions to, for the betterment of the company, then you might want to consider not entering into this path. Not entering or having enough money to hire good people that can come in and, the, and do it yeah. for you or like hire outside vendors that could help as well. Like you, you yeah. have to be able to have like money to be able to do that. Or if you want to stay in infancy forever, but you still want to scale from infancy, like the business will always rely on you, then you have to have a business plan to get there. Like let's say you're somebody who offers a service and you can only take so many clients a year, you're going to cap out. So you'll stay in infancy because it will rely on you. But there is also the opportunity that you've built such a solid brand inside of that infancy stage, like a personal brand or whatever it might be, that then you could sell a product mm -hmm. and that product could go viral and that product could then create more income for you and be another layer of your business. Yep. But that has to be a goal. It shouldn't be an accident, you know? Absolutely. I agree. Like take Sleepy Tie, for example, and then we can go to the next stage. We always said that I was going to, or that we were going to, Actually, you pushed this even more than me. We were going to invent something. We were going to make something. There was a whole series of time where you and I sampled lipsticks for about a year. <laughs> there was a series of time where I sampled makeup bags for a year. I mean, there was a lot of phases like yeah, that. Yeah, but then we talked a lot about hair because we were like, it, it fits in with what we know. Yeah. But that I, I do think that's smart, though, because I, I feel like our brains are inventive. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't even, it makes sense. I think for us now, because we're so deep in sleepy ties invention, we say that word, but it, I don't think it was actually even invention. I it think wasn't it was on just, purpose. No, I think it was just like, could we sell something to scale the business without growing it? Like with a person. And, and that was like a, a big topic of conversation. So I do think like, if you want to stay in one of these two phases, let's say you want to keep it a small business forever. No, you don't need to constantly duplicate locations. No, you don't need to franchise. You don't need to do all these things. It's just going back to it. Where do you want to end up? And if it is franchising, then you need to start the business plan even sooner. What does that mean? If you, if your goal is to franchise, then you need to get automation even sooner. Like you think about going into a dry well, bar. Well, franchise automates you. 
that 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 is the whole point of a franchise. You, you it have is to have system. the automation to franchise. You have to you have to have a good process so, to franchise. So, so when you go into a dry bar and they're like, well, that's if you're creating a franchise from something you created from the ground up. Like if you're, that's a very specific business model. Like if you take Parlor, we would have been able to franchise because we had developed our own processes and procedures. But if you take, if let's say you buy a franchise, like you were to buy Crumble Cookies, part of the thing you would buy is their book process. of processes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm saying like if you're starting a business, then your goal is to franchise. You would have to make that process. Oh first. yeah, definitely. So you'd have to you have to have a passion in process Correct. writing. Um, all right, cool. So the which m- I am attracted to when I go into de- different businesses, I'm like I can smell a process from oh, eight miles it's, away. It's, it looked like the, that ear stud company that just came out. I don't know it. it is it stud? I love their whole thing. Like they just have cool marketing and cool process. Well, and- I can smell from a mile away when someone on my team is not following process. And one of the things that and, and this is a perfect kind of transition into the next topic is is processes and procedures, which is the, the growth of the maturity phase, the final phase. The statement I pulled on this is the maturity phase is exemplified by the best businesses in the world. In this stage, the work itself isn't important, but the business is important. Some owners survive the infancy and adolescence stages and become mature. Other businesses can start out that way. That's speaking to the investment aspect I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's consistent customer value consistent experience, no matter who is providing the work. That is the ultimate challenge, the ultimate level of success. The the hardest part of scalability is that automation. The book gives the example of McDonald's Mm -hmm. and what they give the example of is how to place a pickle. What they do explain in this book about McDonald's is you don't need to have a, a bachelor's degree to place a pickle on a burger. And, and you don't need to have those qualifications in order to work at McDonald's. But the question they, they prompt is, why is it that if you were to go to 10 McDonald's in a day, would all the pickles be placed the same way? And why would all the burgers taste the same? They're fucking genius. That whole chain is genius, but... It's, it's because of their processes and procedures. It's because if you go anywhere, you know it to be tried and true. When you get a McDonald's on Route 9 in Framingham and then you go to Southborough to the McDonald's, the burgers are going to be the same. Yeah, but the reason that the burgers are the same is because of the process. Absolutely. But they're saying the person in that situation, somebody can do it better than somebody else. Yeah. And I do, I'm not a business owner that believes all people are replaceable. I did believe that early in my career because I had to, it was my ego. I had to say to myself that like I could replace any person. And listen, I... I've replaced many people in, in my career. If we had to, we would. If you have to do yeah. it, you do it. But do, are there certain people I prefer to work with, want to Absolutely. work with, enjoy to work with? Yes. But this is speaking, I'm not stating my opinion on this. This is speaking to how does a company do that? Different type of business though. That's a, that's a that's very a, different. It's a very different type of business. Well, if you look at Parlor, for example, the people certainly matter. They're artists. <laughs> They're the only thing that, I mean, not the only, sorry, I keep saying that, but it, it's one of the most important. They're making client connections. They're, they're performing art. It's skill-based. It's based on all of those things. But the things that we can provide well, is that's an environment. Ha- that's when people say when they come up, they come in here, they're like the energy, the vibe, what it feels like. Well, that's not coming. Yes. That's coming from the look and feel of the place, but also what the, what the people make you feel. Well, also what you can see in our environment versus other salons is 
people are actually coming to our salon as a whole, not just the stylist. Right. You'll find a very large percentage of clientele are open to seeing multiple different types of stylists. They're coming to us because they want to be a part of our community. And that's not to diminish at all the efforts of the stylist or the, or the esthetician. They're obviously the ones providing exceptional experiences. But it is to say that what we have done well, if we were to pat ourselves on the back, is create an automated environment where everyone can feel something. Right. And that that's consistent. Like I would go to anybody. Yeah. I would, I would also go to anybody and I do. Um, so yeah, if we're going back to processes and procedures, that is, that was one of the hardest things I had to learn is how to write a process. A process is essentially a glorified checklist. A process I would say takes 90 days to write. It's It's easier now. It's, they're hard to follow. Don't forget the times that you and I sat They're in hard. those rooms, writing process, banging our heads against the wall. It, it feels easier to do, but it is, it's hard to follow because you get so embedded into like being on the ground, like doing the job and it just becomes so automated. Yeah. But then you have to go back to your roots and remember, like I always love a little process slap back in my face and I'm like, okay, go back to the drawing, drawing board. Cause you forgot this and you're not right. perfect. And like, hello, like there's right. this step and this step. And that's why I like being on a team with people who are like, why aren't we doing this? We used to do this. It worked. Right. Who check each other a hundred percent. But well, that- in the maturity phase, when something's going wrong, the question I ask myself now at this point in my career is, am I having a process issue or am I having a people issue? Right. And, and, and first, to give the benefit of the doubt to the employee, I must first ask myself about the process because I never want to downplay the, the employee first. Yeah, and 99.9% of the time, real, real statistic here, it usually is process. That's not a real statistic. Real statistic, statistic. No, I actually don't agree with that. I think oftentimes it can be the person, and I think oftentimes the process can blind us not seeing that it's a person issue. Maybe not recently then, I would feel. I think it goes in ebbs and flows. I'm still at a point in my career where I have not mastered that. And I will say like my emotional side does blind me sometimes because I do do like a person and they may be a problem and they might be like following process, but they may not be I think that's just my innate ability to blame myself because I'm in charge of the process. So I'm like, okay, yes, you need to, I'm assuming it was a process problem, but I agree with you. So basically if you are looking to go from adolescence to maturity to achieve automation or to achieve a sense of, you know, the utmost scalability, the the way to do that is after you've hired, after you've created that culture and you've marketed the company, now it's time to create your series of checklist processes and procedures that the company shares as a whole in order for everything to have a flow. That are ever changing, I'd like to add. You never stop changing the process. <laughs> and, and the funny part about that too is something I wrote down when I was like thinking about how to scale a business is going with the times, but adding technology to your workspace. Because like, for example, a software that we've been using for 10 years for one of one of our businesses. Is that the best software now at this time in 2023? Well, how about also letting your ego down to be able to say that you had a little moment when that was yeah. suggested and you were like, meh, not, no, I like yeah. the software. I like the software. Yeah, and it's I crazy. Like, Wait, but let's challenge it. You know, let's challenge that moment. And there's so many things tied to it. Like I'm even doing demos and I'm just like, I like my old software better than this software, but then I like this feature and I don't like this, whatever. It's, it's this time it's actually, I'm like actively trying multiple things to see which one I like the most. Yeah. But you have to be open to that eventually in your brain. Like if it, I, well, I think your, your point to sum it up for you is that tech can also help automate a company or apply process and procedure. Well, our, our brand and our businesses are so different than they were in 2010. Well, 
hundred percent. But also like to give another example, like recently you and Lauren were in a meeting and Lauren's our, our marketing manager. She's here with us now. And you guys had a conversation. You guys are oftentimes similar. And she was denying that there was a software that would make her job easier. And she was like, no way, no way, no way, no how. And then you guys found one and it was, it helped or it actually sucked. Okay, but yeah, you found no, another one. Yeah, we did. You found another one. You went through the process. I made her try it, and then I was like, fuck, this sucks. But here's what happened. By letting the ego down and finding that software, what happened was the ability to take on more, have more efficiency. It was an issue that turned into an opportunity. And I, I, I'm down for if Sometimes, too, like you're so stuck in your ways. Like We'll be like, this is a beauty parlor problem. Or like, this is, which you, is- I like, don't say that. You say that. Me and Sarah Whiting say it. Because it's I, like, I don't say it. when we were small, that's what we used to do. Yes, and, and we're still small at heart. Like we'll always have, we'll always go back. We're a small business. Yeah. We're, we're always going to go back to our roots. We're not like this large corporation business. We just try to, we run like that because I think it gives you the most efficiency. Well, also just to speak to that, the small business, like there are times we don't make payroll. There, there not anymore as much, but there were a lot of oh, times yeah. that we would look at each other and you would say, don't pay me this week, Rach. And I would say, don't pay me this week. Carly. Yeah. There were times I didn't take home a paycheck. Oh, no, no, definitely. <laughs> that would be a, uh, yeah. That would be many, many, yeah, yeah, yeah. many a times. But our employees over, always took home a paycheck. Always, yeah. I mean, that's, again, a sacrifice we take. That's what I'm talking about, about being 100% committed is, I don't think it's a requirement for everybody. I mean, I'm obviously your sister, but I, I think I'm just so committed to this vision and, and I believe the bigger picture so much. I think some people forget the bigger picture. Yeah. And the vision. It, it is. I believe in it. I know where it's at. I know where it's going and, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Like, yeah, you can imagine all, if all the arrows at the company are moving in the right direction, if all the arrows with where are we going, the people that are working there, the core values of the company, um, that you've analyzed the data appropriately, that the funds and the financials are organized appropriately, that you have the right people in the right seat operating inside of their unique ability. You delegate to elevate. You, if you do all of these things, then you will scale. You will get to the next level, but it is if you are currently operating inside of a skill, not running a business, then th these are the steps you would need to take in order to get out of that, or you need to recognize where you'd like to stay and stay in it. Yeah, and I highly recommend working on being more self-aware because that would be my number one. I think that's a big skill set. Sometimes it takes me a little bit longer to get there, but I'm always like, oh shit, I could have done this better. Yeah. Or I could have been better in this moment. And I'm, I'm always analyzing and thinking about things I've said or done. I agree. Well, no matter which stage you're in, self-awareness matters. To be better. So like if, if you, th if your ego is like, well, we're making money and I'm the shit and like, I'm cool. And like, I got a good product. That's not all that matters. Yeah. No, it will just stunt your growth. Yeah. So I think like the way to look at it is like, how many ceilings can you break through? How many steps can you climb to get to that next ceiling? And what are you doing about the next stage of the company? The brands that we run, minding our businesses, running three companies, People often ask me, they're like, how do you even do a podcast? Like, how do you even have time to do a podcast? And the, my only answer is that A, I'm super efficient on my time. Like I'm really, I'm really adamant about how I allocate my time, where I put forth my energy, but also how I organize my week. But more than anything, it's because I have a team that's well-placed. They're all happy in their roles, doing what they love. And everyone's working towards the common goal. So I can focus on we this. We also have a will to do whatever it takes. Like you're, yeah. you're saying to me yesterday in the meeting, I'm answering emails at 11 o'clock. Like, I don't even know that, that what time 
is. Like, I'm not like, oh, it's 11 o'clock. I can't be on my computer. I don't, I just don't think like that. And I feel like if you're an entrepreneur, if you're really committed to your business, you, your brain has to be open to those type of things. Yeah. Or if you're in management or leadership, like it's, I don't look at the clock and be like, it's five o'clock and like, I'm done. I I'm still going yeah. no matter what. And there's other times where I'm not. So it's, it's, it's not like I'm an all-star 24 seven, but you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. So in conclusion, I think step one is recognize what stage your business is, or if you're going to start a business, recognize why you want to start it, why you're passionate about it and where you want to take it. Let's start with the end and then move backwards from the goal. If you are in one of these stages and you'd like to take the next step, then you need to recognize where you are and where you'd like to go. Who do you need to hire and why are you going to hire to culture? And then from there, are you able to really implement smart and strong processes and procedures and do you have the right people to follow them? That's yeah. really the best summary. And what your give. angle is on your business. If you're in a saturated market or well, then marketing, yeah, <laughs> then, then the hire the agency, uh, then hire us to be your content creation studio. Um, all right. So this was a great episode. I feel like we answered a lot of questions. Um, and I think, I think I'm prompted to think that we might need to talk again about hiring and firing and culture. And definitely stuff. I think that should be another episode soon. So yeah, cool. Thank you for listening. We love you. We hope this was helpful and much love. Namaste. Namaste.